<laughs> well, today, uh, after the service, there, UMW will be holding a sale in the narthex and outside by the garage uh, to benefit missions. And that is uh, actually happening. Now, for those of you who are watching online, there really is uh, a sale by the UMW. But if you're not familiar with the words that we're using, you might not have understood anything about that sentence except the word garage. <laughs> you know, what's this service that we're talking about? Are, are we in the military? Who's the UMW? United Mine Workers? Um, and, and what's a NAR what? A narthex? Uh, and what mission are you talking about? Is it impossible? For somebody who's not familiar with the kinds of words that we Christians often toss around, it's like we're speaking a completely different language. They might be wondering, what the bleep are those people talking about? Now, you might have understood it, and, uh, but even so, even, even long-time Christians have trouble understanding some of the words that we use. Words like atonement, sanctification, end times, even common words like, like grace. I mean, we know it's amazing, but what does grace really mean? Today we're going to start a series that explains some of the weird words that we use in the church and why they matter to me and you. And we're going to start with, with two phrases, original sin and the fall. These days, if you ever hear the word original sin, it's probably somebody talking about racism in America. But when we Christians use the term, we're not talking about something that goes back a couple hundred years. We're talking about something that goes back to the very beginning of people, the very start of the Bible. Genesis 1 says that when God looked out at all of creation, the planets, the plants, the animals, the fish, the humans, God saw that it was very good. In chapter 2, we find Adam, which means the man, it's literally what the word mean, Adam means, and the woman, Eve, living without fear or shame, in harmony with God and nature, in a garden where they can have anything they want. Except God tells them not to eat from one tree because it will cause their death. Now, okay, even if you don't know this story, the very first people are given just one rule to follow. They live in paradise. They have everything they could want. They are tight like this with God. But they have a choice, to listen to God or to do what they want. So what do you think they did? Well, you laugh, those of you who know the story, but even if you don't, I'm sure you know what they did. We find it in chapter 3 of Genesis. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat it, 
Eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Now notice that the, the woman hasn't exactly listened very closely to what God said. God said you can't eat from that one tree. He didn't say anything about touching it. And the serpent also isn't completely lying. Because if they do eat from it, Adam and Eve will know good from evil. Because they will have committed evil. They will have turned their backs on God. They have chosen to go their own way instead of the way that God knows will be better for them. They will have learned through the school of hard knocks because once they go down that, that path of sin, there's all sorts of consequences. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. This is the first sin, but it's not exactly what we mean when we say original sin. With this first sin, their world starts to fall apart. They are ashamed, and so, so they sew clothes, but worse yet, their relationship with God is broken. They feel guilty, and they hide from God. Verse 8, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate it. They are naked and afraid. And now, their world is falling apart. And they begin to blame each other. She did it. It, it was her fault. Yeah, way to stick up for your wife, Adam. <laughs> yeah, really, really brave guy there. The relationship with God is broken, the relationship with each other is broken, and the relationship with the world is broken. They, they leave the garden after this, to eke out a life in a land full of thistles and thorns. And worst of all, death enters in. Verse 19, God says to them, <clears throat> By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. This whole event is called the fall. Not, not like the season, but more like, more like fallen apart or fallen angel. To go from being innocent and, and blissful and, and close to God and nature and each other to being broken sinners with broken relationships in a broken world. To be separated from God, not because God isn't looking for you, but because you are hiding from God. 
And isn't that the world that we live in? You can't spend five minutes on, on social media or, or watching the news or reading the paper or even going to a, a ball game without seeing that we live in a fallen world. That things around us are not perfect as they should be. They're not very good as God proclaimed them. All around us, people are hateful, hurtful, selfish, self-centered, and separated from God. They listen to half-truths, and they blame others, and they're impatient, immature, and I'm not just talking about the awful people, the kind of people that, that shoot kids in the street, or terrorists who, who blow up people they don't even know. I'm not talking just about people who would, would rape the land or rape another person. I'm talking about all of us. All of us. There's not one person who is blameless and innocent. There's not one person who's resisted all the temptation and always loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loves their neighbor as themselves. There is not one of us. See, there's no such thing as good people and bad people. Oh, there are things that we do that have a greater effect upon others and upon the world. But the Bible says in, in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Also in Romans 3.10, there was no one righteous, not even one. Ever since the per first persons, every person has been a sinner. And so you either have to say that humanity is just on an awful streak of bad luck, that all the billions and billions of people who've ever lived were born completely innocent like Adam and Eve and had the same chance to live a sin-free life and they just all happened to make the wrong choice. Or you have to recognize that there is something within the human heart, within the heart of every person, that makes it impossible and in, to not sin. It makes it inevitable that we will sin. We are born, if you will, with a spiritual defect. Born with a natural tendency to separate ourselves from God and from each other and to do our own thing. And this deficit, this, this brokenness, is what Christians call original sin. It began with the first sin, but since, ever since then, sin and death have come into our world and we've all lived with the consequences. Theologian G.K. Chesterton once quipped that original sin is the only part of Christian theology that can be proved. Because just look around. Who is free of brokenness? Who lives a sin-free life? Who lives in the Garden of Eden? No one. Even the great apostle Paul, who wrote more books in the Bible than, than anyone else, describes his life this way. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I, do, I don't do. But what I hate, I do. Original sin means that, that though the world and humanity were created to be very good, we have screwed up from day one. We've turned our backs on God. We have we've done our own things. Every one of us. 
and the world has suffered because of it. Original sin is a part of our human nature. Now, if, if you're not familiar with the way Christians use the word original sin, you may, uh, you may be kind of surprised by that. You know, we have, we have all sinned. We all screw up. It's the way we were born. And, and if you don't believe me, let me introduce you to my, my grandsons, Asher and Eli. They're one and three years old. Precious little children. They have wonderful Christian parents. They've gone to church since they were infants. They know Bible songs and, bear, and Bible stories. And they also know how to get into trouble. <laughs> they will intentionally antagonize each other. Asher, the little one, will see his older brother with something and want to take it. You know, mine is one of the, those words that, that every child learns very quickly. So Asher will see his brother and he'll want to take what he has. And his brother Eli will shove him down. And they will fight. And they will cry. And they will always believe that they are completely innocent. It's always someone else's fault, just like Adam blaming Eve or Eve blaming the serpent. They didn't have to be taught that. It's a part of human nature. It comes with the territory. It's called original sin. Now, of, of course, uh, you may think, well, wait a sec. Original sin, that, that, that doesn't sound fair. I mean, how can we suffer for what somebody did a long time ago. It doesn't make sense. And I would say to you, what do you mean it doesn't make sense? You see it all the time. What someone does in the past affects the generations to come. Now I'll give you a very simple example. In my family, we had a, a wonderful family heirloom. It was a Ukrainian Easter egg. Um, it was blown out so it would last forever. And it was handcrafted in many colors, it was a painstaking process to make these. You have to dip them and dip them and, and, and do all this work. It was a very precious treasure. And it sat on our bookshelf on a little golden stand. And one day, my kids were roughhousing in the living room, throwing things around. We told them not to. They didn't listen. And soon that beautiful egg was knocked off the shelf and it shattered on the ground. Now, of course, they were remorseful, but there was nothing they could do to put it back together. That egg was shattered, not only for us, but for all future generations. Eli and Asher will never see that gorgeous egg that their father broke, nor will their kids or their kids' kids. Future generations will have to live with the effect of that long-ago brokenness. But what if there were some way to put the egg back together as good as new? That'd be good news, wouldn't it? And what if there was a way to put us back together? To free us from the brokenness that we have all inherited and contributed to as humans? What if someone could undo that damage and write a new ending to the human story? Well, someone has. And that new ending, that new hope of restoration for us and for all creation is called the gospel.
the evangelium in Greek, which means the good news. We've been messing up our lives and, and others' lives in the whole world since people first walked this earth. Sin and death have reigned. Romans, 12, Romans 5, verse 12 explains it. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, referring to Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. That's original sin. Since the time of Adam, all sin, all die. No one can escape humanity's brokenness on their own. But there's good news. For just a little bit further on that chapter, verse 15, it says, Nevertheless, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? The problem is we live in a fallen world. Sin, death, and brokenness, there's no way we can fix it all on our own. We try, but, but our human nature always gets in the way and gets the better of us. But the good news, the gospel, is that God has provided an answer to our problems. It's called grace. And it's one of the weird words that we're going to look at next week. How is grace the answer to this messed up world? Well, that's next week. But for this week, let's just pray and ask God for mercy on this broken world and upon each of us sinners. Let's pray. Lord, we look at the story of the garden and although we weren't there, it's our story. When given the choice between following you and following our own desires. We're so easily sucked in by half-truths. We can so easily convince ourselves that what we're doing is best for us. And, and then when we find out it's not, we so easily blame others and point the finger. But Lord, the truth is, we're all a bit broken. We're all in need of fixing. And we can't do it on our own. We need you. We need you. You who have never left us, who had continued to call out our name, saying, where are you? I'm looking for you. I love you. Don't run from me. Lord, have mercy on us upon this broken world because we know that your desire is to see us healed and your intention was as you created us very very good